Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, and also up in Sullivan County, New York, and possibly in somebody's backyard, it's Nobody <laughs> Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, it's witchcraft, wicked witchcraft, <laughs> but more importantly, what is witchcraft? Who does witchcraft? And which witchery were we wondering about? Wiccan witchery? Stanford professor Dr. Tanya Lerman is here to school us, and our little dog too. Plus, <laughs> we've got mail, and it's maddeningly loud. Your opinions on all things Bonnie Burns as we dip into our mailbag, <laughs> Captain Crinkle edition. I'm Adam Felber, the man who weaves a carefully crafted spell of magic words, trying to master the wild forces of conversational chaos and produce pure, coherent energy. And now, please welcome the woman whose every sentence is an unpredictable, cursed broomstick ride, high above the rhetorical Quidditch field of coherency. It's Paula Poundstone. Hey, welcome, Paula. Lovely to be here with you, wherever you are. And thanks to tonight's house band returning champ, Jonah Glickman from Sherman oh. Oaks. Hooray. On the Jonah Vibra. from Sherman Oaks. Love Jonah. Yay! Adam. Yes. What separates today from all other days? Uh, I'm sweating. <laughs> that's that's part of it. I'm on I the saw... second floor of a house here in Sullivan County, Paula, and it's probably like 90 fuck degrees, and uh, there's no fan on because we're recording. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Plus, we want to hear you slowly dripping away. Oh, uh, I am. And with I am the dripping. fan on, we couldn't hear the dripping sounds. I saw an ad today that said that swimsuit cover-ups don't have to be boring. Oh, my really? God. Yeah. So it's been quite a day, mm. an emotional day. It's, yeah. It reminds me of like how I cried um, when I watched the inaugural events of Joe Biden. And I was surprised at my reaction because I, I had no idea that over the course of the last, you know, five years, right, prior. Yeah, sure. That I had no idea that I was that upset, you know, that I had such a 
a wash of relief when when Biden was finally. And that's how I felt today when I learned that swimsuit cover ups don't have to be boring. Oh, Adam, Adam. Yes. What? Answer the phone (laughs) this early. Adam, answer the phone. Really? Uh, oh, oh, okay. Oh, Jesus. H- hello? Hey, Adam, it's me, Mike Boom Boom Bonifit. Hi, Mike. Uh, look, we just started the podcast, so, you yeah. know, if you want to... Yeah, man, you... I know. I, I was thinking maybe I could, like, review, like, I could do, like, reviews of shit on your podcast. <laughs> you mean, like, product reviews? Yeah, it could be good. Like, like here, I'll show you. Hey, everybody, right. it's me, Mike Boom Boom Bonifet, and I just had some Chips Ahoy cookies, and I really like them. I think they're especially good for men because I feel so viral after I eat them. <laughs> That's virile. You too? See? These cookies are really good for men. I mean, I don't know if it's because they're made by a sea captain or if every chocolate chip makes like a million sperm, but I am powerfully <laughs> viral after I eat one of these. Mike, Mike, can, can, can I can I do? Can we put a pin in this and let me get back to you? I really gotta go. Of course, man. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. I just really want to help your podcast. I'd like to be like an influencer. You know what I mean? I think you really need me. I mean, it's no wonder nobody listens to Paul Pounce. That girl's such a bitch. Oh, hey, 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 Mike. We've talked about this. You will not be defaming my friend Paula Poundstone on this podcast, all right? Uh, yeah, right, man. Right. Wink, okay, wink. Mike. You know what I mean? No, All I'm right, not winking. Uh, All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll talk yeah. to you later. I know you're not winking. Uh, yeah, man. That's right. You're not winking. No, we're not winking. Wink, wink. We're not we're winking. We're not winking, okay. Mike. <laughs> okay, man. Hey, listen. Call my agent. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> he would be a great influencer, I think. You really think so? You're not at all offended about the fact that he has now probably for about the hundredth time called you a bitch? To me, it's I, I, I don't get that hung up on that kind of language. Okay, because it, it riles me. I just feel like on your behalf, I guess I, you know, the white knight in me comes out, and I just want to defend you riding in on a oh. horse, Paula. Well, yeah. I really appreciate that. I didn't, realize that you were, I didn't realize you were a horse rider as, as well as everything oh, no. else. I had no idea you were a horse rider. Boy, yeah. you know one thing I know about horse riding? The yeah. shirts are so expensive. <laughs> but they don't have to be boring anymore. No, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Used to be the law that they were just like swimsuit cover-ups. Hey, um, uh, what's next? Let's let's see if we can uh, go around the horn. Oh it's, boy! It's, it's once again a, a sort of a foreshortened horn because uh, Tony Nita Hull. Last we heard from her, she had just uh, married into a uh, coffee plantation and then became a <laughs> widow shortly afterwards. So uh, she's off in Panama. Um, I received coffee from her this week, but that's all. Oh. Huh. Yeah, it was good. It was good coffee. Oh, well, that's good. So apparently she's doing well. That's good. Well, yeah, it was signed uh, "Love the Widow Hull." <laughs> oh, the Widow Hull. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all so right. she's really indulging herself in that role. But uh, let's—I've already told you where I am. I'm in Sullivan County, right near a place called Highland Lake, visiting uh, my sister and her family. Uh, so all's well here. Uh, Bonnie Burns, are you outside or inside tonight up there in the Simi Valley? Oh, I'm outside. I'm outside. I'm outside, babe. I'm enjoying the weather. I got the umbrella striped on the inside, and it kind of reflects, you know, a certain color palette, red and white, onto us. Oh, lovely. But just while I was thinking that I I think Mike would be a great influencer, I really like that idea. 
So I was thinking about that and my arm kind of flung back and I had a big tall icy drink here and it knocked it over onto my dog who fled and now it's all wet here. But oh. he I'm hoping that I'm hoping he realizes that there's a sugar kind of mix here and licks it up before it stains the cushions. All the cushions, the expensive cushions. <laughs> you know, I was going to tell you this thing because I was, you know, just before the show, I kind of try and think like, what am I going to talk about tonight? Which I used to do when I was in therapy. Like before I was going there, I thought, what am I going to talk about? Like, I really think it was so I wouldn't be left with nothing to say, which I think is not what you're supposed to do in therapy. But anyway, so here's what I was thinking I would talk about. So, you know, I used to have this friend. Her name was Mavis Vegas Davis because she was a backup singer in Las Vegas. And she was actually Cher's backup singer. But she... Well, I remember. How did this start? I asked you how you were. I have no reason why I segued into this. (laughs) I was just thinking this could be the story I tell. (laughs) Remember when Bonnie used to walk with Cher? Yes. In fact, that was Bonnie's Native American name, Walks with Cher. (laughs) No, remember that song she used to sing? And she walks with Cher and she talks with Cher. With Cher. Yes. And she tells Um, her she is Cher's own. It's beautiful. (laughs) Now, see, here's going to be the problem now, because now that you guys have been funny, I'm going to tell my little story and it's going to be anticlimactic. I had an anticlimactic. <laughs> How was she, Paula? Well, after after Uncle Peak, uh, after Uncle Peak, she wasn't much fun. Anticlimactic. Anticlimactic. She's constantly orgasming. Um, all right. Uh, so, Bonnie, do you want to tell it or not? Bonnie, you know, Bonnie, I don't think she should tell the story. I think we should do something else. God bless America. Thank you, Amy Klobuchar. All right, so we're going to skip the story for now. I'm sure it'll, I'm sure Vegas, Vegas, Maple Staples will, will be back at some point. Um, okay, I'll Paula, tell you story. wanted to bring I'll up something. Oh, look, she's Wait, telling now. the story. Look at that. This is a shocker. You talked her into it. Okay, here we go. All right. Okay, Mavis, Vegas, Davis. So this is what she did. She talked, like she called it cat talk. So you'd go like, Okay, do you want to go over to Bill's house? And she'd go, meow. And then he would say to you, you know, do you want to borrow my sweater? Meow. And so by her inflections of how she said meow, you understood what she was saying. I can't tell you how quickly I would dump such a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a... That is painful. How old was... Was she senile? Mavis Vegas... Davis. Davis. It's really meow, Mavis Vegas Davis. That is weird. Maybe we were in our late 20s. I got to tell you, I I was worried about you telling a story, but you really haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, you know that song that shares maybe there's no answer? She wrote that was Unless she was five, she had absolutely no reason to behave that way. Meow. (laughs) <laughs> do you, all right so where whatever happened to her did she did she get did she get run over by a car or she stuck up a tree whatever happened to her this is bad she's Uh-oh. dead 
Oh, great. Well, I'm not surprised. Way to bring the room down. Meow, 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 meow. That was her eulogy. Oh, my God. No, what so, is there to say about Mavis other than meow? Yeah. Meow, meow. <laughs> wow. So was she on the side of the river? <laughs> she was. Was she buried in a sandbox? <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> was it coyotes? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget her last words. (laughs) Did she she have a collar? Were they able to return her to her home? (laughs) (laughs) Meow. Oh, my God. No, you know what? What? Um, They did an autopsy, and they found that she choked on a ball with a bell in it. Oh, poor, poor Mavis Vegas Baker. Hey, uh, Paula, you were going to bring something up. Oh, was I? Yes. Adam. Adam, yes. do you remember our Oliver bet? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, you mean, you mean the one where you bet that there were at least two nobodies out there who played Oliver in a youth production of Oliver and would be willing to sing a few bars of Who Will Buy For Us? And I bet that there weren't two people like that and how it turned out that there were... Eight listeners who stepped up, making me a loser four times over. That bet? That's the one! (laughs) Which means that in addition to losing the bet, like, spectacularly, like, I've never seen anybody lose like that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) As bad as I've ever seen anyone go down in a bet. Uh, Yes. It means you also owe me a pound of fresh red Wriggler worms. I know, and I'm going to get those to you. I'm just glad that to finally put this humiliation behind us. <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of putting something behind us, I'm trying to figure out where exactly I can store my giant I told you so until I give it to you. Uh, I-, I have got some bad news for you, Adam Felber. What's that? Well, uh, oh no, we have two... New Olivers. Son of a bitch. Peter Bernard from Florida. Who will buy this wonderful morning? I'm so high, I swear I could fly. Me, oh my, I don't want to lose it. So what am I to do to make the sky so blue? There must be someone who will buy. Thank Uh you, Peter. Thank you, Peter. That was great. That was wonderful. I thank you. Oliver my number worms, nine. Thank you. My worms are going to be able to get my worm farm. They're going to be able to get some caterpillar equipment. Uh, and uh, Stefan from Rochester, New York. Who will buy this wonderful morning? Such a sky you never did see. Who will tie it up with a ribbon and put it in a box for me? So I could see it at my leisure whenever things go wrong. And I would keep it as a treasure to last my whole life long. Who will buy this wonderful feeling? I'm so high, Mm -hmm. I swear I could fly. Me, oh my, I don't want to lose it. So what am I to do 
to keep a sky so blue, there must be someone who will buy. Stefan, wow. uh, 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 that was wonderful. Thank you that so was very much. Not that I can get a lot happier at this point. I, I am, you know, Adam's loss. I, yeah. You know, just when you think you're never going to see anybody lose like that, like that much. I mean, yeah. it was like Trump in the courts. It was yeah. just loss after loss after <laughs> loss. It was, it was uh-huh. a, a losing streak like no other. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, Stefan and, uh, Peter, thank you so much. That's Peter Bernard and Stefan, who's kind of like Cher. There is no last name. It's just Stefan <laughs> yeah. from Rochester, um, New York. Well, I, you know, uh, both of you guys, that was fantastic, and we do thank you for it. And Paula, while I was listening to them, I thought of a great place that you can put that giant I told you so. I'm not putting anything there. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on. Hey, Adam. Yes. I have a word. Excellent. What is it? Uh, uh, It's risible. It's an adjective that that means, excuse me, it's an adjective that means causing laughter. Ridiculous. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. Rudy Giuliani has made risible claims of voter fraud while waving around papers claiming to bear proof that he never actually presents. And his son, Risible Jr., is a chip off the old Risible block. Okay. Here, I'll demonstrate its use in a family setting. How was school today, honey? I didn't have school today, Mom. It's summer. I was at Scott's house. We were looking up words in the dictionary. We found the word risible. It's an adjective that means causing laughter. Ridiculous. Son, you were looking up words? That's not what I used to do with my friends in the summer. Did you ever hear of such a thing, honey? Looking up words? Well, that's... Uh, what did you say? Risible. That's risible right there. Now pass the coleslaw and that's enough of that crazy talk. These times, Adam, cry out for the word risible. Let's put it right into the vocabulary song. Why not? No. No. I forgot the song. You did. You're starting on the wrong note. Am I? Yeah. There it is. (laughs) Oh, fuck. You're welcome. I got it. Yes. (laughs) This week's word is risible. It's an adjective that means causing laughter. Ridiculous. Next year I'll be teaching calculus. Last week's word was (laughs) abjure. It's a verb that means swear to give up a belief or a claim. Come back to earth. QAnon's pretty lame. The week before that, the word was pengendrum. It's a noun that means a person who has or claims to have a great deal of authority or influence. Yes, tell us more. You're so powerful, Mr. Mike Pence. Going back before that, the word was indolent. It's an adjective that means wanting to avoid activity or exertion. Lazy. People who get up in the morning are crazy. 
And not long ago, we had sagacious. It's an adjective that means having or showing good judgment, not catching a great Cirque du Soleil show in Las Vegas instead of choosing to pay rent. Let's never forget <laughs> calamari, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable. Replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. Ah, oh, so good. Wow, really good. Just made of. Oh, ah, damn music. it! I was so close. <laughs> it really wasn't. There it is. Oh. You know oh, what wow. happened? I'll tell you. I, you know, usually I I practice about I don't know forty hours a week on uh, Glockenspiel. And sure. this week, I was only able to do like 39 hours. And I'll tell you, you got to put in that time. No matter how good you are, you got to put in the time. <laughs> you sure do, Paula. <laughs> All right. Coming up, Lori Cabot said, The witch knows nothing in this world is supernatural. It's all natural. Which tells me Lori Cabot never had a bag of Funyuns. We'll dabble in the dark arts next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. 
I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing. They cut out the middleman. That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't want to take Adam's word for it, well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your sleepy time pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Greg Luganis said, Mom! Mom! Mom, watch! Mom, watch! Adam! Adam! I I just got, a couple weeks ago, an all-black kitten. What? And the other night, he got scared, and he arched his back and puffed up, and hissed, and it was straight out of a Halloween decoration. And <laughs> I wonder, I don't even know where the black cat thing came from, but I wonder, are there still, are there witches? I mean, is all that stuff real? You kind of fit the profile. You got a lot of cats. I got a you lot, got of, a lot cat, of cats. But I don't think you... witches necessarily had a lot of cats. I wonder if there's an expert. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I hate to tell you this, Paula, there's nobody here. No, I'm kidding. By an incredible coincidence, uh, we have here the Albert Ray Lang Professor in the Stanford Anthropology Department and someone who can tell us a lot about witchcraft. It's Dr. Tanya Lerman. Well, that's got to be some kind of dark art right there. That can't be a coincidence. It can be. (laughs) Great to be here. Thank you so much uh, for being here. Why, thank you. Are there witches? There are. There have been witches since about 1920. That's when- Only since 1920? Only since 1920. So before 1920, there are ideas about witches. People are accused of being witches. But since, I don't know, the early part of the 20th century, there were people in the UK who decided to be witches and who made a kind of model of what it was to be a witch. And they read all those books, and they kind of recreated a history. And now the Pew Research Center says that there are a million, well, a million pagans in the United States, many of whom are witches. Well, where did the word witch come, where did the ideas come from, you know, that that the people in the 1920s picked up on? So the idea of, I think, witcher is a term for a wise in the Celtic, but, you know, don't quote me. You're literally on a podcast. I'm literally on a podcast. Don't quote me. I don't have to quote you. Yeah. It's in many, many parts of the world, there are ideas about special people, who you're going to call a witch, who have, when they have angry or envious thoughts, those thoughts have a kind of supernatural power. They can leave the, the person's mind and go into the world and hurt somebody's body and Ooh. make them ill, cause a cow not to give birth, blight the crops. Often, certainly in Europe and often around the world, those effects 
are about fertility. So mm-hmm. that idea is very, very common. And, um, you know, and people were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people were accused of being witches in early modern Europe. Mostly and women? No, often okay. women, not always. Um, I mean, Salem had a bunch of men who were accused of being witches. But, but what then made people in the 20s go, here's a fun idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be the people who get drowned and burned. Yeah. So some people think that it was a book that argued that in this witch craze, in this period of early modern Europe, when many, many people were, were accused and killed, um, that there's this book by Margaret Murray that argued that there were real people who were practicing an ancient goddess religion, that the world was kind of represented as the goddess, as Artemis, as Caridwen, as Hecate, the world was kind of alive. This, these were ideas that came out, you know, they're kind of kicking around and all, all over the place, but they're, they're sort of made more vivid by late 19th century, early 20th century anthropology. Sir James George Fraser, does that mean anything? Great kind of anthropologist, intellectual. He said that before the big religions, before Christianity, there were these traditional faiths in which the world was kind of worshipped as female. And the male was kind of the son of the female and then kind of grew up and was the lover of the female. And you, when you harvested the corn, you were killing the male. John Barleycorn is dead. Does this resonate? Yeah. You know, that, that um, the goddess would marry the corn and the corn was also the stag and then the corn would die and then it would reemerge in the spring and become her lover and then impregnate her and then it would become the corn. And there was this kind of great cycle, kind of Celtic, yeah. Greek, It's really Egyptian. cool. When, does, when do tortilla chips get involved in this? <laughs> yeah, or Fritos. All right, so the, the earth was the woman and they didn't just mm-hmm. eat the corn, they courted the corn. Yeah. What humans have to do is to kind of worship and carry out these rituals to make sure that the light comes back to the land. And so there are, there are fire festivals around Europe in which people are jumping in and out of fires to kind of reinvigorate the land or to celebrate the end of the light. And there are these, you know, there's fires at these seasonal di- distances in the solstice, and then you kind of celebrate the light and... So somewhere in 19, early, before the Second World War, you know, you have a lot of ideas of folklore is emerging as a discipline, anthropology is emerging as a discipline, you know, and, and at, this is a time where it's kind of safe not to be a Christian. It's be, beginning to be safe. And it seems like so much fun to do this. <laughs> and Margaret Murray had described this, this world, and there was the goddess, and there was the god of the hunt, and so there was male and female. And so they create this practice which has the idea that somehow there, there's, you know, supernatural stuff in the air that you can use your mind to focus it and charge it and direct it and also change the seasons. But it was sort of this kind of cool veneration of the, of the earth combined with magic, combined with a different way of thinking about religion. And it was kind of, kind of gave you what religion gave you, but it wasn't, 
yeah, people held it and kind of sort of they held it in their minds in a sort of different way than you usually hold Christianity. Nobody asks you to believe anything. And so this became a thing. You know, it's been present and floating around for the last hundred so years. So it's like a trend or like a pop kind uh-huh. of a thing? Well, it's, it's, it's a religion. So it's a new uh-huh. religion. People take okay. this religion pretty seriously. But it has all of its, you know, new religions. They come, they go, they have a certain style, they have a different appeal. They've changed. So I'm an anthropologist. I got initiated into this back in the 1980s. And I did plenty of sort of dancing around the bonfire and evoking the god and the goddess and holding Satan. Of course. That's what we anthropologists do. We go native. Oh, I see. Uh Uh-huh. And where was this? What where did you, you were wear around, around the, the fire? <laughs> <laughs> well, the short answer is that I wore not a lot, like other people who were there. Uh-huh. Um, oh wow! And we had, you know, and we had this, this, you know, worshiping the earth as a woman. It was mm-hmm. a kind of back to nature in all kinds of ways. And so we did spells. We held what? What kind lamas. of spells? Well, people did all kinds of spells. They did spells to get the house next door. They did spells to help facilitate somebody's pregnancy were you cure somebody's in, cold. in your study did you find out how that spell you know the success of that spell to get the house next door so i did not ask does this work so mm-hmm. i approach this like an anthropologist and i say okay well now what makes this real for somebody and i don't say mm-hmm. what is this false idea and why do people believe it but i'm interested and saying this this idea seems different, doesn't seem like the everyday idea. How, how does it become real? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I could really see was that people start doing these practices, these rituals, and they start to feel magical power. And I felt it. I could feel it move through my body. And I began really? to have, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so so, it's, it's, so I'll, I'll share my favorite example with you. Maybe yes. it's just a matter of being naked. Maybe the clothes <laughs> stop us from feeling things move through our bodies. That's which, right. Well, Paul is, Paul is which, rarely naked. Yeah, which I was about to say, which means I'm never going to feel anything run through my body. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a big believer in layers. <laughs> my first experience of this was on a train going from Cambridge to London. So I was, you know, there are all these books that teach you all about magic. Mm-hmm. And it's like Kabbalistic this and Tibetan that and, you know, sort of Holy Spirit, the other thing. I mean, and there are a lot of talk around magic and religion is about the feeling of power. And I was, let's see, I cycled to the train station because that's what I did back in the day. That was back when if you were going to have a cycle, you would put your lights onto the bike and there were these big, heavy things. You'd put, you know, stick them onto the bike, and then you'd take them off the bike because somebody would steal them. And I put them in my handbag, got onto the train, and I started reading this book. I was about to meet the guy who had written the book, so I was very excited about this, and I was trying to wrap my mind about all of this. I'm a young anthropologist. This is going to be my dissertation. I'm very excited about this. And I'm really trying to figure out what the words mean. And at some point, I just felt electricity running through my body. I felt utterly alive. I felt fabulous. 
It really felt like there was a linear flow that the electricity came in at my head and went through me and went out at my feet. And, uh, and I have to say, I looked over at my handbag and there were wisps of smoke coming out of the bag. Turned out that one of the bicycle batteries was melting. I have no wow. explanation for that. Wow. But it was, but it's a true story. Uh-huh. Um, and I began to notice that, you know, people, when they did these practices, they would do a lot of practices that were a lot like prayer, except they were sort of prayer on steroids. People would use their imaginations to see something that they couldn't see in the ordinary world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and things felt different. You know, my mental images felt sharper, kind of the world felt more alive, symbols were more interconnected. I mean, later on, I studied evangelical Christianity, and I could also see that you did these practices, you were more likely to have these vivid experiences, you were more likely to see something that wasn't there in an ordinary way, more likely likely to hear something, more likely to have, you know, something like a mystical experience. Could that be connected? Because you know this study where um, they had a group of people practice shooting free throws, uh, you know, ba- mm-hmm. basketball every day. Mm-hmm. They had mm-hmm. a group of people um, think about it every day, think mm-hmm. about, you know, visualize shooting the baskets every day. And then they had a group of people that did neither. And mm-hmm. then they bring them all together to shoot in real life, free throws. And of course, the people who practiced every day had the strongest performance, but the Mm -hmm. people who visualized it Mm -hmm. had good performances and the people who did neither didn't do well. So is is it something in the brain that's connected to these these practices that has more to do with the brain than it does necessarily to uh, mysticism? Yes. So again, I'm not gonna go to the question of whether there's magical power out there in the world. But I do think that if you practice visualization, it changes something about the texture of your thought. It feels more vivid, more substantial. Your mental images actually do feel like they're sharper. And for reasons that we don't fully understand, it changes an array of stuff that I would call spiritual experience. Makes it more accessible, makes it more likely to happen. And that's certainly confidence building gives you this, I mean, you feel the magic. You're more yeah. likely to say that it, it's real. I would like the texture of my thoughts to be corduroy in the wintertime. <laughs> you could um, get that. You could get that for a little bit of extra. But let me say, um, you know, Terry Pratchett wrote, a witch was just someone who knew a bit more than you did. And he also wrote, the real word for a group of witches is an argument. We'll continue to scrape the bottom of the cauldron when we come back. The Cat of the Week is Beacon from Mason, Michigan. And we're back with Tanya Lerman. Paula? Um, Tanya, so a couple of years ago when my kids were little, I took them to uh, Salem. Uh-huh. You know, such a funny perspective on Salem. Salem, Massachusetts, is um, uh-huh. it's a tourist town, and they use their history <laughs> with witches as like you know, there's gift shops, and you can buy like keychains with uh, with you know pointy black witch hats and stuff like that. And then you realize somewhere within the 
time that you're there, in fact, I only realized it because I saw it through my children's eyes. Well, they murdered nine women there. And um, more than that. The, was it more than that? Well, the idea yeah. that you can turn that into a quaint little uh, tourist town, it's, I, I marvel. Well, uh, clearly, Paula, you've never been to Dahmerland in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Stay oh, off the coasters, goodness. but some of the, the rolly rides are fantastic. Oh, yeah, that sounds like fun. <laughs> Way better than Gacy World. Yeah, don't go through that door. But this new witchcraft thing mm-hmm. seems to be different entirely to me. It seems, um, I googled, you know, witchcraft, and I found this article written by this woman that it says she's a witch, and she has a picture of herself, kind of a provocative, you know, she looks sort of sexy, I guess, and Uh and she's, um, she looks a bit goth, you know, she has Mm -hmm. sort of a purple lipstick with a black liner, and like a dyed, you know, auburn hair, but the article that she's written is 10 things you shouldn't ask a witch. And it sounded a little uh, bitchy that, um, you know, we don't do things with eye of newt and things. And she was saying that, you know, they do stuff like meditate mm-hmm. and things like that. But at the same time, she presented herself in the image as this kind of goth person. And I thought, well, you know, you kind of having your cake and eating it too there. Absolutely. So the witchcraft I encountered in the late 80s in in London was kind of psychotherapeutic and fun because of that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I knew a woman who had a ritual room with like 200 statues of goddesses. And she really loved Sekhmet, who was an Egyptian lion-headed goddess. And she was... Overrated. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, it's my own would, prejudice. I brought that to this. I apologize. <laughs> well, Sacrament. she, you know, so I saw that people would like reach out to these goddesses that they that they wanted more of. Like this, so the woman I knew who loved Sekhmet was she was a little shy, she was a little awkward, she wanted to be more of a feminist. She thought, you know, this lion-headed goddess was kind of more what she wanted to be. And she would read all about Sekhmet. She'd do rituals in which she invited Sekhmet to enter her life. She would write stories in which she was interacting with Sekhmet. She would try to talk to Sekhmet and try to hear Sekhmet kind of talking back. And, you know, the rituals were both, you know, people did rituals to get the house next door, to cure somebody's cold. They also did rituals to change themselves. And they were sort of like, you know, they were a little bit like alternative Jungian therapy. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it was fun. Well, I was raised Methodist. I mean, when you went to Sunday school, you know, you had your, uh, you know, your Sunday school workbook. We did have uh, Jesus paper dolls. Right. <laughs> On the off chance that this, what's the goddess's name? Sekna? Sekhmet. Um, On the off chance that the woman that worships her... Uh, might want to go with the paper dolls because that was it stays in my mind. Yeah. I don't know I don't know if it brought anything to my life, but it stays in my mind. And also we had um at vacation Bible school, every year for many years we would receive a, a dehydrated flattened sponge uh with Jesus' picture on it and you put Whoa. water on it and he expands and you could clean with Whoa. it. Yeah, so that's, that's great. I mean, because the, the old motto, Jesus expands. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus saves that, and expands. I don't know. Just in terms of worship, have you seen stuff like that before, um, Tanya? Have you seen 
Okay, I, I love this image of Jesus as an expanding sponge. I mean, yeah. it's both theologically very compelling and utterly theologically horrifying. Eat of my body for it <laughs> retains water. It was but, my it was my favorite thing at Vacation Bible School. It was what I looked forward to every year. And and keep in mind, Vacation Bible School was very much like Sunday school, except for it was every day of the week. And they took the tables yeah. from the Sunday school inside the building and they put them outside on the parking lot in 90 degree weather. So um, <laughs> it yeah. was sweaty hot. But we did we did very much look forward to getting that sponge. So I think if a if a religion is going to work for somebody, it's got to be a vividly imagined world. I actually use the term paracosm, like this shared imaginative worlds kids create together, like the Bronte you know, sisters and brother. They created this this shared universe. So I think you know, it's hard for some Christians these days to get a vividly imagined world because you know. Like many Methodists, they don't really know the stories so vividly. It doesn't do that much for them. But in the witchcraft world, I mean, people would, you know, they, I mean, they'd read all of these mythological stories. They knew the stories, and they would rewrite them, and then they would kind of interact with the, with, with the gods and the goddesses. It's like fan fiction? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think that's actually pretty similar, except that, you know, fan fiction, the people who are writing it, they have a pretty clear sense that it's not real. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of these religious practice, the frame is that it is real. But it's the same kind of activity. When people are telling them stories about about their religion, they are elaborating, they're developing. I mean, the Ignatian spiritual exercises, the classic Christian Catholic exercises. You know, Ignatius is inviting the person who's practicing not only to be there during the Annunciation, but to say, okay, how tall is Mary? Is she 14? Is she 18? Is she scared? Is she excited? What, what's, what's, what do you see on her face? What's she wearing? What's Gabriel like? How tall is Gabriel? Those are, that's a little bit like fan fiction. I mean, it sounds a little yeah. shocking, but it's true. And, and it also sounds like um, uh, we spoke uh, a couple weeks ago with Jane Lynch, okay. and um, she was talking to us about how she you know prepares for roles and yes. uh and it and it could even be a, a small role i think but she knows mm-hmm. all about the backstory of her character and right. what that character wants and things like that yes um it's, it's so it's is it possible that jane lynch is a witch <laughs> she's using oh, those I skills very or the possible. witches are using her skills <laughs> you know i'm so that- nice on that note, the Jane Lynch note, I, I, I do want to drive a, a wedge here, and I think it's an important one, between, uh, you know, uh, Paula's vacation Bible camp and the Wiccans that you knew in London, mm-hmm. because uh, because we haven't mentioned this yet. There does seem to be a really strong feminist streak in the witchcraft yes. thing. Is yes. that? Can you talk about that for a second? Absolutely. So it didn't begin with a feminist tilt. Uh, it began as a kind of re, we are returning to the earth and there's an equal role for the men and the women. But, you know, you do have this representation of, you know, the big god is the goddess represented, you know, Artemis, Caridwin, Demeter, Hecate, whatever. And many di- and then many different faces of the, the goddess. And many, particularly in the 80s, more and more women 
became witches in order to have a female divinity. And a female divinity also that was not entirely pretty because, you know, there's Artemis, who's beautiful and young and virginal, but there's Hecate, who suffers, who's ugly, who's a crone, and she has great power. And so the feminist witchcraft became a way for women to kind of reach out and represent and kind of engage with and tell themselves stories about um, the kind of life cycle of a, of a woman. Uh, when I was in London, I went to a conference on menstruation. All these women, 100 a women conference sitting, on it? Yeah, well, you know, conference of the way that these spiritual events, kind of like your Bible camp, you yeah. know, there, there's an event. Wow. And people, and it's called menstruation. And we Boy, all Boy, what if went. you'd gotten a sponge there? That would be so perfect. <laughs> yes, a yes, Jesus indeed. sponge. A, you know, somehow I think it wouldn't have been a Jesus sponge. But all right, all right. Like, Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. So you went to the menstruation conference. Yeah, and there was a sense of, you know, I, I remember after this conference feeling that when I was in my own cycle, I was running into the pain. I was running through the bleeding in order to get to the other side. There was something about embracing the cramps, you know, that, that there was something life-giving in that process. And all these women were talking like that. And so huh. the, the, the feminist witchcraft was about embracing the death and the pain and the, and the transformation and the, and the cycling and the, and the reaching, the, 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 the elder status and their teeth falling out and... All the rest of it. That's and like the kids it. in junior high, the girls who used to write down on their calendar when their period was going to be, and they would say, I have my friend. Yeah. I, uh, I never embraced it that way, I have to say. <laughs> I, I ran through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I took some Advil, some Midol maybe, and uh, I didn't put it on my calendar, and I certainly didn't view it as my friend. <laughs> um, all right, wait. So I do get the part about the sort of fun of the rituals mm -hmm. and the empowerment of the models of women's strength. I get mm -hmm. that. It sounds like fun to me if there were 36 hours in a day. <laughs> but you have a religious sensibility to some extent, right? I mean, you love that Jesus sponge. I did there's... love that Jesus sponge. I did. <laughs> but there's something uh, that's so, uh, so why are people so drawn by religion? There's something really basic in this reach for what you could call an invisible other, who's your friend, who is interacting with you in some sense more powerful than you are. Uh, it's, you know, don't you think it's looking for an order and a, and a reason? They're scared of stuff? Well, I mean, it's pretty scary to be human, so it's not right? surprising. But I think there's something much more basic. I think that the kind of the human mind is also about kind of reaching out to others, that there's sort of always an implicit other out there. I mean, there's sort of this, if you think about it, it's kind of a mystery that kids remember their mom when she's left the room, but they do. They carry their mom. And they, you know, and that mom... You know, somebody who remains important for them. There's always a voice in their head. So, I mean, religion gives you a way of, you know, this is going to sound too crude, but sort of create crafting a better mom. 
You have all these stories that you can choose. You have all these ways of talking. You have all these ways of interacting that kind of improve on the first round. A lot of help from the, the text that you're given. And if you're in you know, witchcraft, you have a lot of freedom of which te texts you can choose and which stories you're going to tell yourself and which goddess speaks to you. And then you create that relationship. It's pretty powerful. Right. But you know, uh, Tanya Lerman, I gotta say, this was this has been so excellent. But now we're going to run all this information you've given us through a machine we call the meditative pouncedinator. Paula? <laughs> Professor Tanya Lerman, thank you so much for schooling me on witchcraft. And if I could ask our house band, vibraphonist Jonah Glickman, who is kicking ass with that melodious sound here on episode 157, if I could ask for a little background music, I'll tell you what the old pouncedinator spit out. Lots of ideas and beliefs go into the modern practice of witchcraft. It's customized. Like this. Welcome to Double Double Toil and Trouble. Can I help you? Why, yes, thank you. I would like to become a witch. Okay. Have you been here before? No, this is my first time. I was raised Methodist. I did some Episcopalian, a little bit of Pescatarian, but now I would really like to buy the house next door. Gotcha. Well, you've come to the right place. Let's begin. Do you want to include veneration of the earth in your membership? Um, I think so. I do recycle. That's a start. How about dancing around a fire naked to bring on the spring? Would you like to include that in your membership? Uh, is there a group that wears underwear and mittens at the fire? I haven't heard of one, but you do it your own way. This is the Build-A-Bear religion. Do you want to marry the corn? Mm, that's a big commitment. Can I live with the corn? It's entirely your choice. How about goddesses? Do you want to worship goddesses? Oh, yes. I'd like to worship Aphrodite, the goddess of love and beauty. She's full. Can I waitlist you? <laughs> Brizzo's taken worshipers. She's the protector of mariners, sailors, and fishermen. Full? A goddess is full? Witchy poo, do you want the house next door or not? You take Brizzo, you can start your spells right away. Plus, if your beloved corn ever goes fishing, he's protected. I don't care about protecting the corn. I want to worship Aphrodite. You're breaking up with the corn already? All right. I don't like to do this because she's already got a lot of worshipers, but I can get you Hygieia, the goddess of sanitation. You take her now, and you start to feel your magical power in no time at all. Oh, all right. Okay. And now, if I could just get your John Hancock here to say that you will not knowingly blight wombs or crops, you can begin your witch's journey. Next, <laughs> welcome to Double Double Toil and Trouble. <laughs> she is the Albert Ray Lang Professor at the Stanford Anthropology Department. Thank you so much, everybody. Dr. Tanya Lorman. Yay! Yeah! This has been so fascinating. Uh, thank you so, so much for doing this. It's um, been a pleasure. I now I'm realizing that as much as I consider myself an atheist, apparently I'm involved in all sorts of worship. I don't know if I'm a witch, but I'm a, I'm a, a Perry Mason follower. 
there you go. Coming up, what's that infernal racket? It's Mailbag Captain Crinkle Edition right after this. Fun fact, fortune-telling is illegal in Maryland, but anyone who's surprised to be in prison for that is definitely a fraud. (laughs) And we're back. Hey, Paula, how you doing? And a big shout-out again to Jonah Glickman, our house band. Fantastic work. Paula, I'm sorry, were you trying to break in with something irrelevant? I answer the phone! (laughs) Wait, really, Paul? You want me to answer? We're, we're winding down, and we have a answer segment to get phone. to. Answer the phone! Answer the phone! Uh, the phone's Jesus ringing. Christ. Okay, hello? Why do points suddenly <laughs> appear every time you are near? Just like me, hello, they Winnie. long to be. Hello, Winnie. On the day that you were born... The angels got together and decided to create a dream Winnie, come can you true. stop singing and just tell me what you want? Okay. Thank you. So they sprinkled stardust <laughs> in your hair of gold and starlight in your eyes of Winnie, blue. Winnie, stop. Stop. Besides, it's sprinkled moon dust, not stardust. Oh, Winnie, sorry. Winnie, stop. Wait, let me just say so that again. So they, yeah. Winnie, stop. Besides, it's sprinkled moon dust, not stardust. Oh, sorry. So they sprinkled moon dust in your hair of gold. I'm going to hang up if you don't stop. I just wanted to tell you how I feel. I am so excited that things are opening up so we can hang out after the game. Well, there, there are still safety issues. Are you vaccinated? Not just yet. What do you mean you're not vaccinated? What are you waiting for? They're giving out prizes. I don't want beer or a lottery (laughs) ticket. I'm waiting until they offer home redecorating. That's ridiculous. You need protection much more than you need a couch. You like my couch? That's nice to hear. I'll tell my mother she chose (laughs) it. Maybe then she won't hate you. I don't... Okay. Wait a minute. When did you see my couch? Have you been looking in my windows? Of course not, Winnie. It's insanity. Oh, my God. No. This is really not okay, Adam. We're just friends. We're not even. My my mother's coming. Ma, that was Adam looking in the window. (laughs) Oh, my God. She'll kill you if she Uh ever sees you again. I got to go. Bye, Adam. But, Winnie, I, wait, I, Jesus Christ. How do I get into these things, Paula? Adam. Why were you peering in Winnie's window? That's creepy. Paula, That's I have creepy. not been anywhere near L- Winnie's house, presumably in Garden City or somewhere in Long Island. She lives in Long Island. That's yes. a, isn't that where you're from? Don't you know Long Island like the back of your hand? Yeah, and Garden City's in it. I just didn't know where, in fact, Winnie. I don't know where her house is. I'm not standing outside her window. Uh-huh. You know what? (laughs) I am now going to segue from my talk with Winnie Feynman to our mailbag Captain Crinkle edition. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, fuck. Oh, that's not even close. There There we we go. Mailbag Captain Crinkle edition. Now, Paula, we've been doing mailbag for quite a while. But what we decided to do mailbag. Oh, fuck. Captain Crinkle edition. Oh, that's awful. It's just oh, a Oh, yeah, fifth. there it is. Okay. Uh, okay. 
Yeah, now, Adam. Yes. We've been doing this for a while, but never. We've been doing have what we for a while? What have uh, we been that, doing that, for a while? That segment where we read mail. And 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 we haven't done that for <laughs> No. What's it in? <laughs> it's in a bag. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Paul. <laughs> um we haven't done it for a while, and yeah. we thought it would be. And we've never done one that featured one of our own cast members, as it were. Uh, but this is what we're going to do this time: our mailbag. Jesus, oh fuck! It's going to be our our Captain Crinkle edition, and and what that means is we're going to have, in the absence of tone of the Widow Hull, who's in Panama uh, running a coffee plantation, we're going to have uh, Tyler Burke step up to the microphone and oh, read boy. us uh, some of our mail. Uh, from our mailbag. Need... There we go. Oh, oh my God. And, I get and so God nervous. God the, help the us all. The keys are too close together. Yeah, they are very close. <laughs> Glock, is, Glock is a harsh mistress, as is oh being on your... you got to put in the co-host. time. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> Absolutely. you got to put in the time, Adam. <laughs> yeah, so, Tyler Burke, are you here? I am here, and I have a bag full of mail. Okay. Read us some mail. That Wait, he, he has a bag. He has a bag full of mail. Yeah, that's Bag correct. mail. All right, here we go. Tyler. Sure, yes. I, I, let me open up this mail bag. Uh, this oh, first uh, email, <laughs> thank you. Uh, yep. No, uh, it comes it's from- It's not going to get less chaotic. Keep going, Tyler. <laughs> Forge ahead. Wait, what are you doing, Tyler? Oh, I'm, I'm reading uh, something that your fan wrote you. <laughs> What's it in? Uh, it's, it's actually on a doodle doc. <laughs> yes! <laughs> That's cheating. I feel like we, as always, when something involving the body. I am the whistler. Okay, the whistler theme has nothing to do with anything where they're going to do or have done. What was Um, that? It's weird. You can't get her off the fucking whistler thing. She thinks that it's a good theme for something that we do. And I'm like, yeah, but we don't 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 do do a thing that that would be a... Yeah, but I haven't been able to convince her. Um. <laughs> anyway, Tyler, step on up. Yeah, sure. Uh, on the subject of Jewish excommunication, David Cass writes, just a heads up, you can be excommunicated in Judaism. It is called harem. So Bonnie's mother better watch out for mixing mayonnaise into her chopped liver. At the very least, Bonnie's mother should be censured. It's not a harem, is it? H e r e m. Oh, h e. Thank God. C h. How do you pronounce that, Adam? Bonnie. Harem. Yeah, harem. I think. Okay. Um, it is the highest ecclesiastical censure in the Jewish community. Oh the my God! Exclusion of a person from the Jewish community. So, if I remember, Bonnie claimed that her mom used like um, mayo in something, and I no, in chopped liver. You're right. So I wanted to censure her, but I said that we Jews don't excommunicate, but it turns out we do have a censure, much like our book club. I'm surprised that you both didn't know about that because I'm surprised that you both haven't been harremed over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'd like to say something here. Go ahead, Bonnie. Well, I would like the nobodies to weigh in on whether it's wrong for a Jewish person to put mayonnaise in their chopped liver. Is that unheard of? Um, it's, 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 it's taboo. (laughs) (laughs) It's not unheard of, but those people are never heard from again in the tribe, Bonnie. I mean, you can't be putting mayonnaise in your chopped liver. 
Is that what it's called, taboo, when you put mayonnaise and chap lip? You, so you it's say, can taboo. I, can, can you, so you say you're at the table and you have your matzah out and you say, could someone pass the taboo? <laughs> it's not a dinner thing usually except the ho- one holiday. <laughs> oh, you don't have you don't have the matzah? No, it, it's in, not like a staple. It's just a holiday oh, thing. Oh, well, what if it's the holiday then? And you say, and you have the matzah out and now you want to have the taboo. You can't have the taboo at the table. <laughs> you know what? Tyler, rescue us. There's got to be more. Sure, yes. <laughs> Kelly Judd Lackey II. Uh, Kelly writes, I'm convinced that Captain Crinkle owes the Wesley Willis estate royalties for her use of his music for the Potluck Info Party. And we actually do have a clip that Kelly sent us of a song oh by Wesley Willis that Kelly believes is uh, has been infringed upon. By, oh, wow. by Captain Crinkle's potluck. By all party. means, let's follow the evidence where it leads. Please play it. Rocky Roll McDonald's. Rocky Roll McDonald's. Rocky Roll McDonald's. Rocky Roll McDonald's. Okay. Wow. Wow. That does sound like potluck info party a little bit. Bonnie Burns. Step up to the mic and answer for this plagiarism. Rock and roll McDonald's! Rock and roll McDonald's! <laughs> <laughs> remind us of how Potluck Info Party goes. Trying to think of it. Uh, Adam, you just set me heard up. It. What do you usually say? <laughs> it's time for a Potluck Info Party. It's a Potluck Info Party! It's a Potluck Info Party! Yeah, yeah, yeah! Wow. I, I see I'm some influence. Guy. I do see I some definitely influence. see some influence. <laughs> All right. Well, t- Bonnie, what do you have to say for yourself? You've you've been caught red-handed stealing a song. You know, I'm my own entrepreneur. And yeah, that doesn't gonna... respond to <laughs> yeah, that in any way. Objection, Your Honor, unresponsive. <laughs> Your Honor. She's making a circus of this courtroom. <laughs> whether or not she's under her own entrepreneur has absolutely nothing to do with whether she's been influenced or plagiarized Mr. Willis's no, song. I don't think she meant like I plagiarized the song. Do you think my song sounds anything like his song? She wrote, and I quote, I convi- I'm convinced that Captain Crinkle owes the Wesley Willis estate royalties for her use of his music for the Potluck Info Party theme. Your Honor, I object. <laughs> to what? <laughs> Kelly Judd Willis Lackey. <laughs> Overruled. That's not even an objection. Well, if it does please the court, I do have two more character witnesses uh, to bring uh, on Bonnie's side. Uh, oh, <laughs> nobody, oh, Brian McCafferty writes. Where did you uh, get Bonnie's these songs- from? Tyler, where did oh. you get these? Uh, these are from Facebook. Uh, and but you're carrying them in. You're carrying them in. Uh, carrying them digitally. It's like a bunch of ones and zeros that has been uh, programmed to form words onto my computer screen. Yes, uh, some uh, sort of mailbag. But, but it's part, yeah. it's what? Yeah, it's like a mailbag. Go uh. <laughs> ahead, okay. Tyler. Right. Uh, so Brian McCafferty writes: Bonnie's songs are great, uh, but her vocal technique leaves something to be desired. That you said, think? the more Bonnie, the better. Oh, wow. thank you. Bonnie, let me ask you, what is your vocal technique? Have you had any formal vocal training for these theme songs? Oh, I've had no formal vocal training. 
No. <laughs> That's no. But here's the thing. I almost pride myself on this. When I start singing these theme songs and I don't write them in advance, it's spontaneous no. and I feel that I'm in the moment with the spirit. I cannot believe <laughs> that you didn't write out every note of it. This is risible, what you're saying right now. It's risible. <laughs> I, I picture you like Salieri in the, 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 the Amadeus movie. Yeah, plotting for the death of Wesley Willis. Um, Tyler, you said you had one sure. more. Yes, I do in have your... one more. In your... In, in my... Say it. Bag? Yes. <laughs> There's no avoiding it. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> this is from David Azell, and David Azell nominates Captain Crankle to be the official theme song creator for all segments going forward. Lose your leg. Lose your leg. <laughs> lose your leg. Lose your leg. Lose your leg. <laughs> Um, wow! All right. Uh, so there's a nomination on the floor for Bonnie being our fu- our segment theme song composer. Any seconds? Uh, every time we have a, I insist that Bonnie. You know, I mean, I've written this theme, but I I think yeah. that Bonnie could expand upon it. Ding dong! Bonnie, you want to try? What do you try the mailbag theme? What's the mailbag theme? Oh, oh, that's hard. Lose your Glock, lose your Glock, lose your Glock. <laughs> if only. I really couldn't take it. You know, hers is iconic. Yeah, All that's right. true. Yeah. That's true. But I do have one thing to share with you guys. Ye- Some taboo, okay. I'm hoping. Because I have my matzo out. <laughs> I think it's related. Okay, at some point during this whole festivity, I did Google uh, chopped liver recipe to see, like, what is in there? What? Why is mayonnaise in there? And guess what is in there? What? See, you were paying no attention because you were Googling. We did a segment about you that you should have been participating in, and you were fucking Googling chopped liver. Honest to God. But here's why I figured out. I know exactly what went on with my mom. Okay. Apparently, chicken <laughs> fat is used in chopped liver a lot of yes. times. Yes. And I yeah. know my mom's thinking would have been, chicken fat is too fattening to put in the chopped liver, so I'll use mayonnaise instead. I am pronouncing a cherim on both you and your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Patoo, you've been cherimed. And that's how we got to mayonnaise I didn't mayonnaise even know a cherim existed until tonight. I'm going to oh use it all gosh. the time now. You've been caromed, Bonnie. You like that? <laughs> yeah. I got a whole pocket full of caroms, and they're all for you. They all got your name on it if you keep this shit up. You're probably going to have to add on a room in your house just to keep the harems. Yeah, you're going to need a harem room. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Oh, yeah. By the way, I wouldn't keep it anywhere near the mayonnaise if I were you. Uh, no, 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 because that, 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 they multiply, the harems and the mayonnaises. You know, I know that I was. I oh. spent a little time with Bonnie's mother, and I remember one morning she offered me some breakfast cereal, and uh, and I said, "Do you have any milk?" And she said, "No, that's too fattening." And she put a big dollop of mayonnaise on my Fruit Loops. It's a triple harem for Bonnie's mom, <laughs> just there. <laughs> so just any food that she thought was fattening, she'd go use this mayonnaise instead. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. That pizza shouldn't have cheese. Put this mayonnaise on it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, 
Yeah. Do you remember when your Do you remember when your parents Do you remember when your parents renewed their vows and they had the wedding cake and your mother said, "No, that icing is a little that's that's a little fattening." And then she just threw like a big couple of dollops of mayonnaise on top of the cake. Only wed him ever where there's a plastic bride and groom standing in a giant gob of mayonnaise. What's healthier, chicken fat or mayonnaise? My guess would be chicken fat. Really? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Overall. <laughs> Overall. Yeah. When you look at the yeah. protein. No, Paula already answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> Now you're saying overall as though you're going to get a different answer. Like Paul's going to go like, oh, in that case, mayonnaise is awesome. Yeah. If you were to boil Bonnie down, right? If you were to put her in a big vat and boil her down, that is the essence of Bonnie, where you answer a question and then she asks you the same question another way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I meant maybe one has more protein, like food for food. Which one would be healthier to eat? Yes. It, you, you, Almost food, certainly chicken I was fat. assuming when you said which is healthier, Boy. that you meant food for food. And I assumed that you meant including whatever nutrients might be in chicken fat or mayonnaise. I assumed all of this was part of the original question, which is why I said I would guess chicken fat. I can't swear to it. I'm not a nutritionist. No. Okay. I can tell you scientist. that neither one are good for you. Uh, yeah, I don't think... Have you been eating them on a, on your health food kick? Because no. that's not good. <laughs> no, I don't. Do you have like a, on your couch? Is there like one where there's chicken fat between the cushions that you snack on, and the other where there's where there's mayonnaise? Ah. I, I I would love to stay, but I really don't want to. So I'm going to draw this segment to a close <laughs> and say thank thank you for ho- the one and hopefully the last edition of Mailbag. Oh, oh no, ah. Bonnie Burns edition, <laughs> Captain Crickland. <laughs> hey, but let's give a shout out to Tyler who did yeoman's work there. Stepping yeah, up the Tyler, that was an excellent job, Tyler. Thank you so much. Um, I think it was really wonderful. And as a parting gift, um, we're going to give you a beautiful jar of taboo, <laughs> which is a traditional Jewish food. To get uh, you exiled. It's... <laughs> it's like, I don't want to be a Jew anymore. Here's what you do. You buy some chopped liver. You buy some Hellman's. You'll be harremed in no time. Bring out the taboo and bring out the best. <laughs> well, thank you. I can't wait to get my hands on that taboo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's going to be yummy. It's have your holiday matzo ready. Because, uh, you know, they don't have that every day. They just, they have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, yeah. everybody. Nobody's, if you have questions or comments or just want to bitch about what you just heard, and I don't blame you, send that to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. I, I can't imagine that we're, we didn't uh, uh, give pleasure to everyone. With I that, can. With uh, that uh, <laughs> Bonnie Burns, Captain Crinkle uh, segment. Oh, I had a great time. Paula, what's going on in your Poundstone product empire this week? Adam, Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, like any good business, has little problems here and there. As the boss... Uh, my job is to put out the small fires so they don't become big, destructive ones. I do that simply by being observant, listening to the feedback from my employees and my customers, and responding quickly. My book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, 
is a perfect summer read. Listeners should get it at their local bookstore if they can, but it is also available at the store at paulapoundstone.com. I know a lot of listeners in the Pacific Northwest with what little heat-drenched energy they have left are kicking themselves for not having purchased my remarkably soft tri-polyblend t-shirt with my self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back to help them weather the hundred and fuck temperatures they find themselves in during the climate change hoax. Well, guess what? They're still available at the store at paulapoundstone.com. And for a custom-made video message from me to your friends, co-workers, or loved ones, go to cameo.com slash paulap33. That's cameo.com slash paulap33. And I'm going to be in Key West, Florida at the Key West Theater on August 21st because August is the time to go to Florida. Plus, tickets are on sale now for Atlanta, Georgia on September 17th at the Buckhead Theater. I would tell you more, but of course, Heidi. Heidi, let me get this last word in. Once again, everybody, as I announced last week, my book uh, with with the great filmmaker of B-movies, Charles Band, Confessions of a Puppet Master, is now available for pre-order on Amazon, and you ought to do it because it's fantastic. All right, subscribe to this podcast. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge. If there's something you want to know more about, tell us. We're at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Tanya Lerman. Yeah. Yeah. Witchy woman. Thanks to house band Jonah Glickman. Yay! Yeah. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, Tony Needlehull, and Tyler Burke. Mixing by Michael Hoagie, intern is Carly Patrone. Starbridge Yay. production by Land Romo, Sam Dunwald, we love you, Sam, and Kyle McGraw. Yay. Yeah! Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Pass the mail. <laughs> um, you know what? I don't have any mail by itself. Look, just don't tell <laughs> anybody. I, okay. I have some um taboo here, and it's got mayo in it. I'm not allowed to eat that. If Bonnie hears, I get a harem. <laughs> Are you not allowed just, to eat? No. You're not allowed pa- to pa- eat pa- it. Pa- pa- pass it under the table. It sounds good. Just pass it. Yeah, She'll never okay. know. Is that your hand? Ah, yeah. shit. No, that's my hand. That other thing. I'm sorry. Oh, this it's is so here. awkward. Yeah. Here we go. Thank you. I mean, we've worked together for a long time, and look, it was hot. I needed air. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna just call a harem on myself right now. (laughs) You might want to wipe that mayonnaise off first. (laughs) I don't know that that's mayonnaise. really hot and maybe <laughs> I have no excuse it's just hot and I'm not processing my thoughts very well oh, me neither this is a bad moment <laughs> I'm never gonna eat again me neither <laughs> oh, there's no way we can use this right 
Vegas, Vegas, Vegas isn't allowed to hear this. Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. Oh, god damn it, buddy. <laughs> Stop it, a podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network.